You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. I know one of the things that, that makes me mad is when my kids leave my tools out in the yard to rust or to be ran over by the lawnmower. Sometimes that's not a pleasant experience around the Morgan household. Uh, let, let's just say, say that it's, it's not an easy, easy thing uh, to do. Uh, sometimes I do get mad with, at my family. Sometimes I get mad at my wife. Sometimes I get mad at some of you. I, and... and and this summer, I, I read a book called What Makes Jesus Mad by Tim Harlow. And it's one of those books that I, I really wish that di- I didn't read because it was convicting. Ha- have you ever had one of those books like that that you're like, oh, you know what? If I didn't read this, I really wouldn't have to deal with some of the stuff in my life. And, and in this book, we'll see several different instances. And, and in, throughout the Bible, we'll see that Jesus did get angry about several things in, in life. I, I know that we like the happy Jesus, the compassionate Jesus, the, the loving Jesus, the, the Jesus that we get gifts at his birth and chocolate at his death. I mean, that, that's the type of Jesus we like. But, but there's times in Scripture that we see that Jesus really did get mad. I mean, it's hard to call someone a son of hell with a smile on your face. It, it, it's really hard to to tell someone to go put a big old rock around your neck and then jump into the sea and, and do that with a smiley face. It, it's hard to knock over tables and chairs. We, we see in Scripture that, that Jesus got mad. He, he got angry. And, and I want to show you kind of the theme verse for, for this series that really kind of tells you what Jesus got angry at the most. It's found in Matthew 23, 13. Woe to you! teachers of the law, and Pharisees. You hypocrites, you what? You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. If you really want to know what made Jesus mad, what really made Jesus angry, you made it hard for people to come to know Jesus Christ. And as I began to study what made Jesus mad, what made Jesus angry, it was convicting on multiple levels, but one, the people that Jesus got angry at the most was the religious teachers, the, the religious leaders. And I thought, man, today that would be like me. And, and I better pay a pretty close attention to this. And, and then I've been pondering this question, and I want you to ponder this question throughout this series. Do I get mad about the same things that Jesus gets mad about? Because at some of the things that we just listed or just said, I'm not sure that Jesus would get mad about, the, about those things. And, and so I want us to kind of think about that, process that. When I get mad, am I getting mad about the same things that Jesus gets mad about? If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, that's where we're going to be camped out today. It says, when they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and he began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. 
And, and then what did he do? He knocked over the table. I, some of you were sleeping, so I just had to do that. <laughs> Hopefully that'll wake you up. Amen. He knocked over the table of money changers, the, the chairs that were selling doves. He, he, he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. And he said to them, this scripture, he says, the scripture declares, my temple will be called a what? House of prayer for what? All nations. I really want you to underline all nations. If you're a highlighter, underline all nations. This is key. And, and he's quoting Isaiah right here. And, and in this passage, it's talking about judgment. But you have turned it into a what? Den of thieves. He's quoting Jeremiah here. And, and so to, to understand what's, what's going on and continue reading, it says, when the leading priests and teachers of the religious law heard what Jesus had done, they were planning to what? Wow, those are really great religious leaders, right? Jesus drives everyone out of the temple, and then what does he want to do? He wants to kill them. But they were afraid because the people were so amazed at his teaching. So many people, when they've read this passage or studied this passage, they said, you know what? Jesus must be against selling in the church. Uh, in, in the church that I grew up in, there was an elder, and, and he said, hey, you guys can't sell T-shirts, you can't sell books, you can't, have, you can't come in here and ask people for, to, to buy Girl Scout cookies, no, nothing BBS related. Uh, if you had a concert, you couldn't sell in the church because of this passage right here. And, and, and as I've been studying this and, and looking at it, I can't help but wonder, was Jesus really mad at selling taking place in the temple? First of all, we need to understand a couple things. You needed animals there to make sacrifices. And they couldn't just be any animals. They had to be animals without defect. And we had people that would travel a long way to get to the temple. And so you can imagine, they're bringing in their lamb, they're bringing their animal. But if that lamb happens to break its leg on the way, guess what? That won't work for the sacrifice. So in turn, you'd end up having to bring a whole flock of animals. And you can imagine that journey. And so it was convenient to have animals at the temple without defect. It was a convenience factor to have those at the temple that, so that they could be used for sacrifice. Well, well, what about the money changers? Well, you had to have a special currency, had to have a special currency to pay the temple tax. And it made sense. Hey, it's a convenient thing. It kind of be like for us, like online giving. Like, some of you, you like carrying cash, and some of you carry your checkbook, and some of you are like, I don't know what a check is, and I don't really know what cash is. I just have my little credit card. And, and so it was really a convenience factor to have animals and to actually have a place to exchange money, exchange currency there. Now, some people have said, well, it's because Jesus was mad that they were gouging people for money, that price gouging was going on, that they were inflating the prices. And I think that's probably partially true. I mean, chances are, because Jesus said, hey, this has become a den of robbers, I think there's probably some truth in that. And, and I don't know about you, but anytime I go to a Spurs game or when I go to an amusement park, 
Don't you feel like you're being gouged for getting a cup of water or popcorn? You go to the movie theater, you, you see the prices kind of inflated. You're kind of in a trapped spot. And, and this may be what was going on here is that there were some people that were really jacking up the price on the animals. And, and, and this was making it harder for them to make these sacrifices. But I wonder if there was something more going on here. If you have your Bibles, you might turn to 1 Kings chapter 8. We see a little bit about the temple. Solomon is dedicating the temple, and and this is what it says in verse 27. But will God really live on earth? Why, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built... May you watch over this temple night and day, this place where you have said, my name will be here. May you always hear the prayers I make toward this place. May you hear the humble and earnest requests from me and your people Israel when we pray toward this place. Yes, hear us from heaven where you live. And when you hear us, forgive. God was everywhere. But God built this temple, this special place that people could come And worship him, praise him, pray to him, to be cleansed of their sin. That's why they were bringing those animals there. You'll you'll see a layout of the temple on screen, and you'll see in the Holy of Holies, this is where God's presence was. And, And you'll see this veil, and not anyone could just go into God's presence, because we are sinners. And the high priest, that was his role. But God dwelt right here, but we know eventually that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, that that veil was ripped in two, and that we have direct access to God. But back then, you went to the temple. You went to get your sins cleansed, and so you brought these animals there. And so this was a a special place for people to come and worship. So what's the big deal then? Why did Jesus get angry? There's another slide that you're going to kind of see basically a layout of the temple. And if you notice, you'll see the court of the Gentiles. This was the furthest place from the Holy of Holies, from from God. This was a place that people from all nations came. Gentiles, that's us. But then you had a court for the women, Jewish women, that they could worship. And then a little bit closer to God, you had this place for the Jewish men. Anybody know where they put the marketplace, where they put the animals, where they put the money changers at? The court of the Gentiles. The court of the Gentiles. That's where they put all of these animals. That's where they put all the money changers, the exchangers. That's where they put them at. See, the insiders, the Jewish leaders, said, hey, let's put it right here at the court of the Gentiles. Those people don't really matter that much. They're the outsiders. In reality, the Gentiles, those were people coming from all nations. And what you did was you actually made it more difficult for them to worship. Why? Because you had thousands and thousands of animals. Josephus says... During Passover week, you had about over a quarter of a million lambs there. So can you imagine if right here, like if we had, this was the court of the Gentiles, and you had about a quarter of a million lambs in here. 
And that's not the only animal that you would have during that time. You have all these animals. You have all these people exchanging money. You have this big crowd. It's kind of like the New York Stock Exchange. And, and in the process of all of this going on, you're supposed to be worshiping and praying and getting close to God. Be pretty difficult, right? Because you've got all this noise and you've got all this activity. And, and Jesus walks into that. And this wasn't just a bad day for Jesus. He wasn't stressed out. It wasn't like, man, he, he wasn't feeling well. Actually, if you look in Mark 11, 11, he had actually already been there, and he went to the temple, and he saw all that was taking place. And he comes back, and he's like, this is not right. This is not right. The insiders have placed this marketplace and made it more difficult for the Gentiles to worship. They put the noisiest things right there. They could have put it anywhere, but they put it right there for the Gentiles, the outsiders. They weren't the insiders. Jesus says, that's wrong. You're, you're shutting the door on the Gentiles. You're making it harder for people to know God. Something I hadn't thought about in this passage. It says that you've made it a what? A den of thieves. You've made it a, a den of thieves. And, and this word can be described as a bandit or a member of an outlaw gang. And, and notice the terminology here. It says a den. This is places that they hang out. This is where they live. In the first century, there was an ultra-right wing revolutionist that were hiding in the temple, that they were known to be around. And, and they had this great vision. They had this vision that eventually the Messiah would come and he would clear the temple of the filthy Gentiles. He would eventually overthrow Rome and make the Jewish people more powerful. That, that's what this group was here. And, and so I'm sure that when Jesus came in and started doing things, they may have begun getting excited. But here's the ironic thing. Here's the ironic thing. When Jesus came as Messiah, he did not clear the courts of the Gentiles. He cleared the courts for what? For the Gentiles. He made it accessible. He opened up the door and said, hey, this right here should be a place that you can worship all for all nations. And, and, and this, again, got me thinking. This got me thinking. Is there any place in my life that I'm shutting the door, that I'm shutting the door for people to come to know Jesus Christ? How do we keep people from God? I want you to think about that through this series. This is a political season, and and you know, we don't talk about politics very much here. And I want to be very careful here. But some of you, you have some strong political opinions. And that's fine. But I think sometimes during this political season, we go off on these rants and we go off on, on people. And sometimes that ends up hurting people in the process. 
I, I've heard people say, well, you can't be a Christian and, and support that candidate or that party. And, and I've heard people be rude and, and lack compassion. And, and people sometimes during this season, they're not very nice. And people are watching how we as Christians react. Sometimes Christians tend to be the first ones to pick up stones. People who act and say and do things differently, we tend to get on the judgmental train really easy. I I had a friend this week that contacted me, doesn't go here, actually doesn't go to church. He said, Ronnie, uh, I love Jesus. I just really don't like Christians. And and he was saying, he he wasn't saying it to be judgmental. He was just being honest. He was like, man, I love Jesus. But Christians sometimes are really mean and harsh and hypocritical. And I told him, I said, you know what? We got to own that. Because sometimes we are. Sometimes we're a mess. And sometimes we do things that didn't reflect Jesus Christ. And I said, you know, we're not perfect. But we're trying to transform to become more like Christ each and every day. And in the church, the universal church, I think we've made some mistakes. And we have to own that. We haven't always treated people who may not act the way that we want them to act that may have a different lifestyle, that may say different words, that may look differently than what we do. And in some ways, we've probably shut the door. In some ways, the way that we've treated women in the universal church hasn't always been good, and we've shut the door. In some ways, the way that we've treated race, we've not done a really good job in some cases. And we shut the door. In some cases, we haven't done well with social justice issues. And we've shut the door. And you say, Ronnie, it's it's important for us to have truth. And we have to tell everyone. And and I said, yeah, it's fine to have truth. But we want to make sure that we season our words with grace and compassion and kindness. And so I don't know if I hit on one of those spots that maybe you struggle with. I'm really talking to myself as much as anyone else. But I want you to think, is there anything in my life that's shutting the door on someone coming to know Christ? And if there is, own it, confess it, and let's transform to become more like Christ. We want to be a church that we open up the doors. You don't have to come here and be all cleaned up. Just come as you are. Come as you are. I'm messy. Chances are you're messy. Probably the person next to you, they're probably really messy. If you don't think so, just talk to me and I'll tell you about them. (laughs) Well, we all have some things in our closet. We all have some things that aren't pleasant. But as a family of God, we're coming together. And we're trying to become more like Christ. And we want to be a church that opens up the doors and builds bridges. And we'll let God do the transforming. We'll teach truth. But we're going to season that with grace, love, and compassion.